Welcome to Northgate Christian Fellowship's weekly message series. And now, here is Senior Pastor Ken Jensen. Well, we are learning together these days about living in the flow of the Holy Spirit and um, what that looks like. And um, it's really... Uh, If you read through Scripture, you find it all throughout Scripture, from Genesis to Revelation, that there is this picture that we are giving of life with God. And and, and it's given a picture of of a river, of living water, of of streams of life, um, and living in the flow of the Spirit. And that, that occurs like over 150 times in Scripture. There is this picture of a river, of, of streams of living water. And, and it's a picture of grace. It's what Jesus talked about um, when he said uh, in John chapter 7, it's recorded, if anyone is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. And whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, streams of living water will flow from within him. And then John adds parenthetically, by this he meant the Spirit, whom those who believed in him were later to receive. That there is this flow of the Holy Spirit, that God's Spirit is flowing like a river, all day long, all of the time, 24-7, and, and He is always available, always accessible to us, at any moment, at any moment of our lives, just as we go through our lives, at any moment, the Holy Spirit is available to us, that we are meant to live in this flow. It doesn't just happen when we're in church or when we're reading the Bible or when we're having a quiet time. He is constantly flowing through our lives. And we can live in that life. And as we learn to live in that flow of the Spirit, our lives become transformed. That's how God changes our life. And we become the person God always intended us to become. Becoming God's best version of you. Paul wrote about it to the Ephesian church. It's in Ephesians chapter 4 if you want to follow along. Verse 17. You must no longer live like Gentiles do in the futility of their thinking. They're darkened in their understanding and separated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to the hardening of their hearts. Having lost all sensitivity, they've given themselves over to sensuality so as to indulge in every kind of impurity with a continual lust for more. You, however, did not come to know Christ that way. Surely you heard of him and were taught in him in accordance with the truth that is in Jesus. You were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires, to be made new in the attitude of your minds, and to put on the new self, created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. Therefore, each of you must put off falsehood and speak truthfully to his neighbor, for we are all members of one body. In your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you are still angry, and do not give the devil a foothold. He who has been stealing must steal no longer, but must work, doing something useful with his own hands that he might have something to share with those in need. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that they may benefit, that it may benefit those who listen. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. He says, live in the flow of the Holy Spirit. Walk in step with the Spirit. Live with the Spirit of God flowing through you. And with that will come life transformation, a a, a putting off of that old person and and a new person coming to birth within you. A new life, putting on that new life. 
And that's what we've been talking about for the last couple of weeks. Um, we're right in the middle of this whole series. And there's three components of this whole series. There's what we're doing here on Sunday morning. Um, but in addition to that, we're encouraging people to pick up a copy of this book, The Me I Want to Be, um, which is we're, we're encouraging people to use as a daily devotional guide. Now, I'm told we have like nine copies of this left. Okay, so if you haven't picked up your copy, we do have them at the information desk. And you can pick one up. But um, if you miss out, it's probably at this point... Just go to Amazon.com and get your own copy if you run out, okay? But you want to get a copy of this book because it's a daily reading and there's a study guide along with that that will help you in your own personal quiet time with God. And then the third component that we've had is, is our community groups. And um, we've been meeting here midweek, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday nights. And if you haven't been a part of that yet, you can still get in, but I encourage you, get in soon. Um, we got some feedback. I just want to read you some of the feedback we've gotten from people uh, that have been in the, this whole study. Um, This has been an incredible study. I am so thankful that Northgate decided to do this study as a church. I love that we have the opportunity of personal reading and study, the midweek small group, and the Sunday morning church service. I appreciate the opportunity to grow spiritually based on my unique makeup, my unique passions and desires, and I love the book. Um, Another one. God is speaking to me during this series about areas in my life that I know are not part of the me that I want to be. Love, love, love the book and questions. I'm learning so much, thing, so much about things I thought I clearly knew. Leaving a new, living a new and a different way. A way to apply it to my life. Um, opening my eyes with every page. Someone else. I've enjoyed hearing other people's thoughts. It's nice to know I am not the only one who deals with these things. Um, here's another one. Best book that... Um, best book that hits the nitty-gritty of our thought process. The study is, um, is vital to my life, and timing could not have been better. I love God's timing. Another one. This study has brought some healing to my heart and caused me to rethink who I am and how I live every day. One more. A rich experience. Um, I would like it to continue in this format. And then to put in parentheses at the end, I would like it to go longer. It's ending too quickly, Okay. If people are asking you to go longer, that's a good thing, all right? Um, And then we actually, one of the things that we did was, um, I don't know if you know this, but our students and our children are going through the same study from our uh, fourth graders all the way up through our high schoolers. And um, one of the things they've been doing, and put it up on the screen, in the Club 45 class, um, they put these two stick figures kind of and had people just respond, okay? Who is the me that you don't want to be? And who is the me that you want to be? And some of the responses, um, this is the first page, was um, the not-so-good part. Here's some of the answers um, they put. Smoking, drinking, stealing, don't want to do that. Um, Here's another one that I don't want to be. I don't want to be a bully. And then, in parentheses, kicking a boy in the privates. (laughs) Probably a good thing not to be. Um, Gossiping behind someone's back. Um, Saying to somebody, go to hell. That's not a good part of me. Or this, I love this one. The B I don't want to be. It's being someone who calls someone old. <laughs> and then, of course, the, uh, the next page is um, the me that I want to be. Uh, the me that I want to be. Going to church. Helping a needy person. Giving presents. Being awesome. That's a good thing to aspire to. Um, here's a very industrious one. The me I want to be. Getting a job. Starting out right, okay? But my favorite one, the me I want to be, someone making banana bread for a friend. I want to be that kid's friend. I love that banana bread. 
We're learning this together as a church. And if you haven't gotten involved in it, please don't stand on the sidelines. God's doing some incredible stuff in the life of our church as we are learning to live in the flow of the Spirit. See, that's what Jesus said in this declaration. He said, there is such a life available to you, to me, that it really is possible to live in the flow of the Spirit. And really, really, my job and your job at its essence is to find out how to live in the flow and discover the things that cut off the flow of the Spirit in my life so that I would move those things out of my life and get as quickly back into the flow of God's Spirit as possible. And so that's what we're going to be talking about a little bit this morning, looking at the things that cut off the flow of God's Spirit in my life. And I'll tell you, the single greatest obstacle to the Spirit's flow in our lives is our sin. It is the single greatest obstacle, the single greatest obstruction. The greatest tragedy of sin is not that I did something bad. The greatest tragedy of sin is that it cuts off the flow of the Spirit within me. That's the greatest tragedy. Paul wrote about this way. He says, do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God. What he's saying is the Holy Spirit is not some impersonal force. It's a person. Now, we can relate to God the Father, because we kind of, we know, we've got a picture, a mental picture of a father. We, we kind of know what a father ought to be, or at least what a father looks like. And we can relate maybe a little bit easier to Jesus because he became human. And so we can kind of relate to that. But sometimes we think of the Holy Spirit like it's just some this vague, amorphous kind of, you know, and we have no idea. And he's saying the Holy Spirit is not some impersonal force. It's a person with feelings. He is grieved by our sin. The Spirit of God is grieved when we choose to sin it cuts off the flow it separates us from the life in god it it hampers and hinders the relationship let me give you an example of this uh how many married men husbands are here this morning okay or or maybe men who are in a relationship okay you've got a significant other that maybe you're not married yet but you're serious about okay and every once in a while you have this sense that something's not quite right anybody know what i'm talking about here okay okay you know things are not quite right in the relationship. You're not quite sure what. So you ask the question, what's wrong? And what is the answer that you get nine times out of ten? Nothing. nothing. Yeah. Nothing. Nothing. There is something wrong in the relationship. The flow has been cut off, but you don't know what it is. And when you ask the question, the answer is nothing. But you know there's something. <laughs> okay. That, that little bit of feeling, that disconnect that you feel, even though you don't get a reason for it, you know that something is wrong. The same thing happens in our relationship with God. There is this sense of unease. We know that something is wrong. Now, God will tell us what it is. <laughs> but the, the thing is, mostly, that it's, that it's sin. It's sin that separates from it. It's sin that, that puts that little, mm, something's not right here in my relationship with God. He says, do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God. 1 Thessalonians 5, do not quench the Spirit of God. In other words, don't smother the Spirit's flow. Don't squelch the Spirit's flow in your life. Um, don't cut yourself off from God. And when you sin, that's what you do. Understand the toll that sin takes in your life. Okay? It hurts other people. It starts to damage and destroy your soul. But more than anything else, it cuts you off from the flow of the Spirit in your life. It grieves the Spirit of God. It separates me from Him. And it separates me from the life that He has for me to live. 
And when I choose to sin, what comes along with that is this choice to hide. There is something about sin that while it separates us from God, it also moves us to to hide. And you see this in Genesis, the very first sin. Very first sin. Adam and Eve. And, and, And God comes looking for them. God's looking to have that relationship with them. And he comes and calls, calls for them in the garden. And then finally, Adam shows up and he says, where have you been? And he says, I heard you in the garden and I was afraid, so I hid. When you choose sin, you choose hiddenness. You separate yourself from God. Willard, um, Dallas Willard has a great story in his book, um, Renovation of the Heart. He talks about um, a, sorry, a two-and-a-half-year-old two girl who is staying at her grandmother's house and playing in the backyard, and she, she has discovered mud. Okay? She's discovered how to make mud. And so she's playing in the backyard, and she's making mud pies and you know, mud-hot chocolate and the whole thing, you know, just making a mess. And her grandmother catches her and, and brings her inside and cleans her up and says, now don't play in the mud anymore. And then, um, and then send her back out to the yard and actually went outside with her and sat on the back patio and watched her. And... Um, but the little girl wanted to play in the mud. And so she's turned around to her grandmother and said, um, don't look at me now, Nana. <laughs> and being codependent as she is, grandmother turned her chair and turned away, you know. And, and daughter continued, granddaughter continued to play in the mud. And about every five to ten minutes would say, now don't look at me now, Nana. Don't look at me now. There is this hiddenness. And every time we choose to sin, We don't say that prayer out loud, but what we are saying to God is, don't look at me now, God. Don't look at me right now. We don't say that prayer out loud, but we know it is cutting us off. It is damaging the relationship. And what happens is, repeated hiding, repeating repeating hiddenness leads to a hardness. And that's what Paul talks about to the Ephesian church. He says, when you do this, people who do this, they are separated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them. And it is due to the hardening of their hearts. Repeated hiding leads to a hardness. And, and by the way, that's why baptism is so vital and so crucial. Because in baptism, we make a public declaration to God that we are taking the stand with Him and for Him and in front of all of our friends. We are coming out of our hiding. That's the value in baptism. That's why we baptize people. That's why, that's why we're encouraged to be baptized. And if you've taken a, a private profession of faith but you've never been baptized, this is an important step and you're coming out. It is, it is coming out into public and making the declaration, I am coming out of hiding. The greatest obstruction to the Spirit's flow in our lives is sin. Now, the good news is that the Holy Spirit will not abandon us to our hiding. He won't let us hide. John 16, Jesus talking about the promised coming of the Holy Spirit. He says, when He comes, He will convict the world, world of guilt in regard to sin and righteousness and judgment. That one of the things that the Holy Spirit does is it, it, it convicts us of our sin. That's what he does. Because we are so good at hiding, we need the Holy Spirit to open our eyes, to call us out of our hiding. We need the Holy Spirit to reveal the truth about ourselves. Because the truth is, we are all guilty. We are all guilty. Every one of us in this room, we are guilty. 
And if you don't believe that, let's just kind of do a little bit of a, we do this every once in a while, kind of a mass confession this morning, okay? Let's just take, just take, for example, one of the Ten Commandments. You shall not bear false witness. Okay, now think about what that means. If you've ever deceived anyone, if you've ever exaggerated, if you've ever hyped a little bit, um, if you ever uh, like inflated your resume or maybe left a part out of a story you were telling that made it look a little bit worse than it would have if you hadn't left it out, okay? If you've done any one of those things, okay, that's false witness. So, by a show of hands this morning, how many here, even maybe not all your life, just in the last year, have ever deceived anybody else in any way whatsoever? Anybody? You sinners. <laughs> now, keep them up, keep them up, okay? Now, look around, because if somebody is not raising their hand, you are doing it right now, all right? <laughs> because it is in our nature, and that's why we need the transformation from the inside. That's why we need the Holy Spirit. Because sin is not just this laundry list of thou shalt not. It's not just do this, don't do that. It goes to the core of our being. In essence, sin is simply corrupted desire. God-given desire, but twisted, corrupted. Paul put it this way. He says, put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires. Sin always promises more than it can deliver. I love the way John Ortberg writes about it in his book. He says, recently my wife and I went fly fishing for the first time. Our guides told us that to catch fish, you have to think like a fish. They said... That to a fish, life is about the maximum gratification of appetite at the minimum expenditure of energy. To a fish, life is see fly, want fly, eat fly. A rainbow trout never reflects on where his life is headed. A girl carp rarely says to a boy carp, I don't feel you're as committed to to our relationship as I am. I wonder, do you love me just for me or for my body? Fish are just a collection of appetites. A fish is a stomach with a mouth and a pair of eyes. So while we were on the water, I was struck by how dumb fish are. Hey, fish, swallow this. It's not the real thing. It's just the lure. You'll think it will feed you, but it won't. It'll trap you. If you were to look closely, fish, you would see there's a hook. You'd know once that you are hooked, it's just a matter of time before your enemy reels you in. You'd think fish would wise up and notice the hook or see the line. You'd think fish would look around at all of their fish friends who have, who have bit the floor and fly off into space and never return. But they don't. It is ironic. We say fish swim together in a school, but they never learn. Aren't you glad we are smarter? See, temptation promises we can be free to gratify our appetites as much as we want. See a fly, want a fly, eat a fly. Temptation promises freedom, but it makes us a slave. There is always a hook. Real freedom is not the external freedom to gratify every appetite. It is the internal freedom not to be enslaved by our appetites, to have a place to stand so that we are not mastered by them. For we are something more than a stomach, a mouth, and a pair of eyes. Make no mistake, sin is fun. It's pleasurable. It wouldn't be tempting if it were not. It plays on our desires in a distorted, twisted way, and it always promises more than it delivers. And the Holy Spirit comes along to remind us we are better than this. 
We are meant for something more than this. The Holy Spirit whispers into our lives, you are made for something better. And that's why Paul's right. So then put on the new self, created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. In other words, deep down, deep down, the person that you really want to be, you want to be a right living person. You want to be a good person. You want to be a loving person. You want to be a kind person. You want to be a generous person. You want those things. You ache for that. And this is the secret. You ache for that more than you ache for anything. But sin promises a shortcut, instant gratification. And we never see the hook. And that's why we need the Spirit of God to keep reminding us you were meant for something better. The Holy Spirit doesn't abandon us to our hiding. And the really great news, the really great news is the Holy Spirit will always lead us back to grace. You see, the Holy Spirit does not convict us of our sin to berate us or belittle us or to punish or condemn us. That is not why He convicts us of our sin. The Holy Spirit convicts of our sin to lead us back to grace. The Holy Spirit is not the enemy. The sin that destroys my life, the accuser that condemns me, that's the enemy. The Holy Spirit is the comforter and the guide and the counselor that will always move us back to grace. The Holy Spirit reveals our sin to us so that we would run to God's grace. And my job as a follower of Christ is to recognize when I am out of the flow and to admit it and to reduce the lag time between when I move out of the flow of the Spirit and back in. And that is the work of God's grace. He renews us. And He does it from the inside out. That's what Jesus said. The Holy Spirit is here to lead me back to God. John 16. Jesus said, Unless I go away, the Counselor will not come to you. But if I go, I will send Him to you. Then verse 13. Then when He, the Spirit of truth, comes, He will guide you into all truth. And the truth is that I am in desperate need of grace. Every moment of my life. The grace is not just the forgiveness of my sin. Grace is how I am to live my life. Grace is life. I am saved by grace so that I can live in grace. And here's where most Christians make their biggest mistake. They think, they believe completely in God's ability and His grace to save me and forgive me from my sin. But then we think that from here on out now, I've got to try extra hard to live that right life. And you cannot. You cannot. Dallas Willard puts it this way. He says, saints are meant to burn up grace like a 747 burns up jet fuel. (laughs) We are desperate for grace. Not just the forgiveness of grace, but the life of grace. And we keep thinking that somehow, now that God has saved us by grace, now if I try really, 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 really hard, I can change my life by my own effort. Read you from another great theologian, Arnold Lobel, The Frog and Toad Together. 
Toad baked some cookies. These cookies smell very good, said Toad, and he ate one. And they taste even better, he said. Toad ran to Frog's house. Frog, frog, cried Toad, taste these cookies that I have made. Frog, frog ate one of the cookies. These are the best cookies I have ever eaten, said Frog. Frog and Toad ate many cookies, one after the other. You know, Todd, Toad, said Frog, with his mouth full, I think we should stop eating. We will soon be sick. You are right, said Toad. Let us eat one last cookie, and then we will stop. Frog and Toad ate one last cookie. There were many cookies left in the bowl. Frog, said Toad, let us eat one very last cookie, and then we will stop. Frog and Toad ate one very last cookie. We must stop eating, cried Toad, as he ate another. Yes, said Frog, reaching for another cookie. We need willpower. What is willpower? asked Toad. Willpower is trying hard not to do something that you really want to do, said Frog. You mean like trying not to eat all of these cookies? asked Toad. Right, said Frog. So Frog put the cookies in a box. There, he said, now we will not eat any more cookies. But we can open the box, said Toad. <laughs> that is true, said Frog. Frog tied some string around the box. There, he said, now we will not eat more cookies. But we can cut the string and open the box, said Toad. That is true, said Frog. So Frog got a ladder, and he put the box up on a high shelf. There, he said, now we will not eat any more cookies. But we can climb the ladder and take the box down from the shelf and cut the string and open the box, said Toad. <laughs> that is true, said Frog. Frog climbed the ladder and took the box down from the shelf. He cut the string and opened the box. Frog took the box outside and shouted in a loud voice, Hey, birds, here are cookies. And birds came from everywhere. They picked up all the cookies in their beaks and flew away. Now we have no more cookies to eat, said Toad sadly. Not even one. Yes, said Frog, but we have lots and lots of willpower. <laughs> you may keep it all, Frog, said Toad. I'm going home now to bake a cake. Willpower will not do it. We cannot do this in our own strength. We are in desperate need of grace. Desperate need of grace. And we need to believe that grace is not only powerful enough to save us, but to transform us. To believe that the Spirit of God convicts us of our sin. Not that we would just come for His forgiveness, but that we would come to Him for life. Paul wrote it this way to the Galatian church. Are you so foolish? After beginning with the Spirit, are you now trying to attain your goal by human effort? See, I believe that Jesus is right. I believe he meant what he said. I believe that his Spirit is still flowing and there is a life that you and I are meant to live. I believe that. And I believe it is a life that only comes to us by grace. And it can only be lived in God's grace. And that is God's gift to us. That we would learn to live in the flow of His grace that is measured out to us by His Holy Spirit. Not just forgiving us, but changing us from the inside out. That is the life that God has for you. That is the life that He has for me. And He put it this simply. In Galatians 5.25 Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Do you bow your heads with me? 
Thank you for listening to this week's message. We trust that you'll join us again soon for another uplifting message from Northgate Christian Fellowship located in Venetia, California. Oh,